Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Young song, Our House. Nancy joins me today on the Rip and Read, as she does every Tuesday and Thursday, to do the deep dive on the stories of the day. As an e-attorney, she fleshes out the headlines and connects the dots for all of you. We're talking about illegal housing uh, today in light of the two stories, back-to-back, belly-to-belly, of a corrupt landlord from Senegal taking advantage of his own peeps and stuffing them into facilities that he has access to as a landlord. But first, let me take you, uh, Nancy, and our listeners back to Richmond Hill, Queens, Richmond Hill High School. Probably the most famous graduate there was the scooter, Phil Rizzuto of the New York Yankees. They've actually named the baseball field in his honor. A lot of people from Guyana live there now, along Linden Boulevard. A lot of Sikhs live there. Their temple is there. And there's still a lot of uh, single and double family homes there, in addition to apartment buildings and a lot of commercial space. And then all of a sudden we find out that a guy from Senegal, Ibusar, a landlord, decided that he would take in his fellow Senegalese uh, illegal aliens, migrants, and bring them into his furniture store and stuff them in uh, to the point where they were back-to-back, belly-to-belly, nut-to-butt, in the worst possible scenario. And then when the buildings department and fire department raided the place, he had this to say about what a great humanitarian he is. The guys will, they will be sleeping on the streets for days. So when they started coming to me, telling me their stories, I started helping them. And he helped them up in the Bronx along East Kingsbridge and Fordham in what used to be a cellular service uh, storefront. He uh, was the landlord there, and he started stacking them in two by two. Uh, Nancy, can you explain? Because you've worked in real estate law. You rented apartments. You were involved in dealing with landlords and what the rules and regulations are. You explain to our listeners what the right way to do things is according to the rules for everyone? <clears throat> well, I'm not sure what the right way is to do, but what they have a lot of is uh, single-room occupancy. That's a, um, it, It's sort of overlapping laws guide what these things are. So it's not a traditional apartment. Um, you know, it's not how you would rent a room out in your house exactly. So there's like certain parameters to this. So SROs, uh, supposedly there's about 30 to 40,000 still existing in New York City. And what they are is a lot of them, unfortunately, are illegal because it's very, very, you know, it's almost like you had to be grandfathered in at a certain year. And it doesn't require much. It requires that you have a, a bedroom where it's a minimum of like 180 feet, um, square feet. It requires you to have a sink and a stove or some sort of cooking surface. 
but you don't need to have a, a bathroom within the room. So it just needs to have a shared bathroom in a hallway. So like imagine like dormitory, um, college living. It would almost be like saying that. Um, so but what happens is there's a lot of these illegal ones. So now I was in real estate um, you know, doing rentals for a long time throughout the boroughs, but also I lived in Sunset Park for about 10 years, and that area is ripe with SROs. Um, and what happens is, so the SROs there, these, uh, it's pretty much a, uh, immigrant Chinese community. And what the landlords who own these buildings do is they carve up the floors into basically little tiny squares. And so what would normally be like a two-person house in Sunset Park, easily fitting 30 to 40, maybe more people. And again, so the problem is you see all these people coming in and out, but it's very, very hard to keep track of who's living there. Well, That's an example of an illegal SRO. Well, the city can. Yeah. And I've said this many times. Forget this situation because obvious it's sensationalized, but it happens every day in the city. It happened under Rudy. It happened under Bloomberg. It happened under de Blasio. It's happening under Eric Adams. This has been going on for years. The buildings department will inspect the site and they will see that it has been illegally subdivided up to the point where it is a danger to everybody. They're stealing electricity. They're stealing cable. They're stealing water, sewage. Everything is a ramshackle third world operation in danger of imperiling everyone in there and the neighborhood. And they close their eyes to it because the city does not want them to close it down. Now, why does the city not want them to close it down? Because then they say, where are we going to put these people? Like in this case, in South Richmond Hill, it's like 120 Senegalese in there, nut to butt. They're hot racks. You know what a hot rack is? When the Pakistanis come over and they're driving a cab and they're splitting the yellow cab uh, 12 hours, one Pakistani guy, let's say he's from Karachi, he drives 12 hours. Then the other Pakistani guy comes, and he drives it the other 12 hours. And that Pakistani takes his place in the how many feet uh, room, uh, single room occupancy mm -hmm. uh, room? 180. Right, 181 bed. It's called a hot rack. They did it in the Navy for years. My father did it in the Merchant Mariners. You share a rack. One, one guy's on duty. The other guy's off duty. You share a rack. But in this case... What a pig. What a hazard. Can I hear this landlord again who should have been taken away in chains and shackles on a Daisy Jane perp walk as an example to all the other slum landlords in New York City? The guys will, they will be sleeping on the streets for days. So when they started coming to me, telling me their stories, I started helping them. Oh, what a humanitarian. He's taking $300 a month from them and he's telling them, you know, I'm going to use this money I'm going to buy a bigger place, and it's going to be the house of Senegal. We're going to take good care of you, you pig. No, that was great how, how he made that statement. Like he's he's doing a capital fundraising project Yeah. where, yeah, this is going just to this, like, like happy-go-lucky flop house <laughs> for all the Senegalese people. They gave him a ticket. They gave him a ticket. You're going to get serious with, again, Rudy never cracked down on it. Bloomberg never cracked down on it. The Blasio, Eric Adams. If I were the mayor, I know where all these spots are. I would have a plan put into place because these are illegally converted locations, not just basements, every floor. I remember we were looking for this pedophile who was going after kids in Corona. 
state senator Peralta at the time, unfortunately, he passed away early. He gave us space to operate out of because the cops just didn't want to deal with it because it was all illegal aliens. Ah, we don't want to deal with that. We went from building to building along 108th, 103rd, right underneath the number seven chain. Nancy, we'd go inside. They took closets. They carved out a closet that you would normally put clothes in. And they have a lock on the door, a padlock. And that was the guy's apartment. And he had to pay $100 a week cash. And you could see they were stealing electricity in the building, stealing water, sewage lines, all these cable dishes. Like, uh, where did they get that? Uh, The point is, it is so obvious. If you're a building inspector, and they know, I don't want to fault them. They're not getting paid off here. They're being told, ignore it. Ignore it because what are we going to do if we have to evict all these people and put them out into the street? Which happened in these two locations. The city came, swept them up, probably brought them to the Hotel Roosevelt to be reprocessed and to be sent into a neighborhood near you. They'll probably plan, plan on putting up another tent somewhere at our taxpayers' expense. Yeah, and, and again, so the reason why, so now you have all these different uh, agencies that are issuing, so the Department of Buildings, you have the Fire Department. So the landlord gets a violation for failure to maintain the building and occupancy. Then you have this individual who's a business owner. He's getting a violation. So, again, it's it's very mismatched. So he can get a violation, but then the landlord still continues forward. It's, you know, again, it's it's hard to get a, a structure, but exactly what you just said, they always know. And the excuse they give, you ever look at the Department of Buildings records when they're supposed to do an inspection because there is a complaint and there's a expected violation, if they claim that if they they knock on the door, no one answers it, that they'll actually have to close the case eventually. If people don't open the door up enough, like yeah, to tell look, me they have that look, little authority. This would be my policy as mayor. Uh, you go the first time, you go the second time, you go to the third time. They, they're just not opening the door. You break down the door and then you put up a new door when you leave. That's it. A better door, the new door, than the old door. But you don't let them pull this nonsense. And let me tell you something. Every time you go into these facilities, you see extension cords everywhere, complete violation, fire hazard. The e-bikes with these batteries, lithium batteries everywhere, space heaters, hot plates strewn all over the place. A fire hazard like you can't believe. And the city closes its eyes to it. Again, I'm not just blaming Eric Adams here. De Blasio, Bloomberg, Rudy, they did nothing about this. Because, again, they're mostly in migrant areas. You don't want to be considered anti-migrant, anti-illegal alien. And more importantly, once you padlock the place, where are you going to put all these people? In some of these buildings that were two-family house, two-family house in Corona, Elmhurst, those areas, there's 120 people living. Yeah, I mean, and what- 120 freaking people. Look at all the garbage that's put out on garbage collection. That you look at the house, you say, how could they have generated all that garbage at two family and, house? And that's a logistical thing. By having all these people who are doing SROs, you're not getting a full census of what's going on in an area, which is why the services that should be going along with this level of population. So when I was in Sunset Park, especially during the summer, there was consistent times where the power was going out because the wires were heating up to the point of, of, of frying because there's so many people using them. They're accounting for three-family households, and they have 50 people living in the house. This is not new. Okay, it'll make shocking headlines. A lot of you will say, oh, this is because of the migrant crisis. It's been going on for years. For years. 
And the Department of Buildings, uh, uh, the corrupt one they had in Eric Ulrich, oh, my God, he's going to jail. He's soon to go on trial for corruption. All roads will lead to Eric Adams for the fundraising. So the both of them will be on a daisy chain perp walk on that one. And now you got Jimmy Otto, who is the buildings commissioner of the city of New York, the former borough president of Staten Island. This guy wouldn't know what to do with a bag of nails and a hammer if his life depended on it. To the Bernard McGurk Studios of 77 WABC and Curtis Sliwa. Curtis doesn't know about you, but he rips and reads. This is the Rip and Read. Excellent selection, Nancy. Part of the Rip and Read every Tuesday and Thursday. Rockwell, although you can hear that pedophile on a pedestal, Michael Jackson, in the chorus there. But it's so appropriate to uh, Eric Adams, swagger man with no plan, mayor of the illegal aliens, who is still reeling from the town hall meeting he conducted earlier this week in the gymnasium of the old Canarsie High School, 1600 Rockaway Parkway. In which, as you rightly pointed out, what was he suffering uh, from there, Nancy? I believe it's PTSD. A PTSD campaign flashback. When I was tearing into him each and every day when he was Brooklyn Borough President and he was out in the Hamptons and he was fundraising instead of being in the hood in the city dealing with all the shootings and the projects. Remember, in the middle of this town hall meeting, he was asked a question about getting the speed ferry to the Canarsie Pier. He didn't even answer the young lady. He, he had a Curtis Sliwa PTSD flashback. I remember there was a demonstration. Someone had a milk carton saying, where's Eric? What's with that? <laughs> you, know, <laughs> you know, act like I'm disappearing, you know, missing. And people were getting on his case for the last few days. Like, yeah, Eric, what the hell is wrong with you? If you don't know what we're talking about, you go to the Curtis Lieber Facebook, my Instagram, my Twitter, and you can see exactly because it, we play all the, the tapes of when I was in the, the projects in Bed-Stuy when there were shootings galore, and the people in the hood in Brooklyn didn't even know who he was. I had his picture on a milk carton, and that haunts him to this day. That's August of 2021. But now who's haunting him now? Who's saying to Eric Adams, who's your daddy? It's Adrian Adams, who is the Speaker of the City Council, who has said, you ain't touching the restrictions that we've imposed on the NYPD dealing with ICE, Limigre, Immigration and Naturalization Service. We are not considering laws, changes to laws. These laws have been in effect for decades. If the council were to change things, it would impact more people, I believe, um, negatively than a small fraction of what we are looking at right now. You imagine this, Nancy? He won't stand up to his namesake. Adrian Adams, he's afraid of her. He will not name and shame her. It is just incredible, especially when this woman who knows nothing about nothing, who survived the attack of 9-11 like the rest of us, 
is overseeing this rule in the city council that will not even permit the NYPD to get information from ICE about terrorists. We just basically commemorated the attack of 93, the first attack this past week against the World Trade Center that was uh, preceding the second attack, 9-11. And we know that a third attack is coming. And listen to Bob Holden, member of the city council, stands up to Adrian Adams, unlike Eric Adams, who's a wuss, who's a Maytag. And he asked the question that has to be asked, how come the NYPD does not have access to the two million terrorists that are on the ICE watch list? Com- Deputy Commissioner Gerber, you said you don't share information with ICE uh, at all. We, we are not permitted to do to, to do anything, basically, in, in the world of uh, civil um, uh, immigration enforcement. We're, we're not allowed to do that. No, but what, let's say there there are two million people now on the terror watch list. You know that? There's 2 million people. This is the latest news that we have. 2 million. So if, let's say your facial recognition comes up with somebody and it, and it, it pings on the, the fact that this, this guy is on the terror watch list. Is it, do, you have, do you just go to the FBI or you won't? So, so obviously, if you go to ICE, if, as a matter of a criminal investigation, we go to we have we have various law and partners, law enforcement partners, but whatever else we're doing uh, in the criminal realm, uh, we we are not permitted to use um, department resources, department information in connection with uh, civil immigration enforcement. All the mayor has to do is confront Adrian Adams and says. You don't want to stop terrorists from coming in? Forget the migrants. You want more migrants. We know that. What about terrorists on the terrorist watch list? I mean, and also her focus is completely off because you're representing constituents and the laws of the country and the state. She's weighing the interests of people as though they're equal. You're supposed to put priority people who are citizens, people who are here. Like, how dare you actually try to put people who aren't even citizens of this country, and weigh their interests above our interests. And by the way, I know her district, city council district, Southeast Queens, predominantly African-American. African-Americans are pissed off that they've been told by her and Eric Adams they got to get to the back of the bus and can't get benefits that now go to illegal aliens and migrants. Yeah, I mean, you were, you were squeezed for so long. Oh, we can't help these communities. We don't have any money. But now you're finding money all over the place to help Non-citizens. How'd yeah. that happen? Yeah, yeah, Adrian. Hey, why don't you go into your community? I, I'm in your community more than you are. You don't know what the hell's going on in your community. But anyway, this is right in your sweet spot. Eric Adams was asked the question at his weekly press conference of who uh, decides and negotiates these no-bid contracts that have no transparency. Who, who who makes this decision, Eric? Will you give a no bid contract to a company out of thin air? Yeah, we, um, you know, Deputy uh, Mayor Williams Ice sh- shares it all the time, which you know you hear it over and over again, and it resonates with us. Boy, he was stumbling and fumbling, <laughs> and then all of a sudden, it was like a deer staring into the headlights. So what we must do is that combination of using RFPs when we have the time to do our RFPs. Uh, but if I need a security team at a certain location immediately, 
And the traditional security teams that we have is already in full, the full complement is there. We have to go into an emergency contract to get them there. So now, you've done a deep dive on this nonsense. That was a bullfeather's answer if ever I heard it. Yeah, that was great. So basically what the RFP is, is what they, what the city normally does, it's called, is a request for a proposal. So the city has a certain need it needs to fulfill, a contract is being doled out, and they, uh, you know, basically have a, a work opportunity for anyone who wants to say, this is how many people we can bring, this is our experience, this is what it's going to cost you. Well, that's the, the process that's been foregone in this emergency uh, migrant situation. So when he says, when we have the time to look over these requests for proposals, now what we know is that they have had the time recently because they've already flagged some of the companies they're working with that are corrupt, crooked, and overcharging. So they had the time, they flagged them, and they're still working with them. So I don't think it's really a time issue. <laughs> it's, a, it's a question of doling out contracts without having to have the oversight, without having to have approval for it. That's what he wants to continue this emergency for. I need to hear that along with our audience, wrong way, Lou Rafina, one more time. So what we must do is that combination of using RFPs when we have the time to do our RFPs. Uh, but if I need a security team at a certain location immediately, and the traditional security teams that we have is already in full, the full complement is there, we have to go into an emergency contract to get them there. Okay, now, so now when you hear he said when he has the time for the RFP, now he's all into technology and, and new age stuff, new wave stuff. How about go back to basic, basic ideas, basic concept. Don't recreate the wheel. You have contracts. Look them over. You just did this look over of contracts and figured out how you don't have to do a 5% budget cut across all of these different agencies because you took the time to look at it. If this is priority number one, if this is crisis number one, you better find the time for those RFPs. Uh, and because he has a security team, uh, emergency, he dispatches, how much do they get paid an hour? Well, now it's gone up to $117 an hour. Justin Alec, you're, you're working from the wrong place. <laughs> you could be part of this emergency team that goes to a migrant center as just a security guard that normally would get minimum wage, about $20 an hour. You get paid $117 an hour, courtesy of the sucker taxpayers in New York and, and City. And you notice how he says, too, he's like, well, when the regular teams are filled up, we'll just pay people 100 So who are these other people who are getting hired at $117? Friends of Eric Adams. You <laughs> say, those people? You say contract, it's kickback. And then he says, oh, he's going to go straighten out all those Venezuelan thugs. Uh, most of the population of 3,000 illegals that are housed on that tent in Randall's Island. He's going to go over there and straighten them out. Yeah, we're, 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 we're placing uh, metal detectors uh, there. And um, actually, I want to take a trip over to Randall's and have a conversation with the people who are there and remind them uh, that there's, a, there's a, a privilege to be in this country. And it's, it's unacceptable. <laughs> to um, uh, disrespect our uniformed personnel. I don't care if it's security guard or what. Disrespect? He attacked them. You know, this, this he actually, attacked them. This sounds like my mother when I was young talking to my brothers, like, wait till your dad gets home. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't know what kind of threat that is. And then wait. Then he justifies these thugs with their gang tattoos on their necks because the Venezuelans rule. He justifies their criminal activity. But I cannot emphasize enough. You place a thousand people in one setting and tell them they can't work. All they can do is sit around all day. Tempers flare. 
That's just the reality of life. Really? So that's a justification. Tempers flare. They get three squares, culturally appropriate food, iPhones, smartphones. They get health insurance. They get Metro cards. They get everything. What do, you, what do you think all the kids who are living throughout the city who don't have jobs are feeling? They're sitting around getting a little annoyed, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, double standard here. But then he's got eyes only for the Venezuelans. He wants special status for the one group that's caused the most problems of the many illegals, migrants who have come to New York City. I think we've maxed out on those um, Venezuelans that were able to get um, work status and TPS. Uh, we need to expand that. So we want to reward the Venezuelans who 90% of the attacks on cops, robbery, shootings of Venezuelan thugs. That's, gang that's because they can't work. Gangbangers. By the way, they don't you, have a job. you look at the statistics in Maduro's Venezuela. He has less crime than ever before. He sent all the criminals out of his jails from the gangs to New York City. He's told them, go there. They'll take good care of you. I'll do what Castro did to Jimmy Carter when he sent all of his mariolitos, many of them criminals, from his jails. How can we be making the same mistake twice? And then he says, listen to this, Justin Alley. We got to play it for his very dear friend, Sid Rosenberg, in the morning, who claims that he's going to have dinner with Eric Adams next Wednesday instead of being with the, with the Rockaway Republicans. That's where I'm going to be. That's where I'm going to be. Is Sid going to diss and dismiss the Rockaway Republicans to have dinner with a guy who wants even more illegal aliens? Something is just not adding up to me. I'm hearing about the immigrants coming from West Africa. I'm hearing about the immigrants immigrants coming from South and Central America and Venezuela. But I'm not hearing about the others that have come here and we've absorbed. We could absorb everyone if it's done correctly. What? <laughs> we could absorb everyone if it's done. He wants more. Could I hear that cut, that, that little cut one more time, wrong way, Lou Rufino? We could absorb everyone if it's done correctly. I want to hear from Sid in the morning on this one. Now, all of us, oh, I'm going to have dinner with Eric Adams next Wednesday. He's scheduled March 6th to be with me before the Rockaway Republicans. And he has decided it's more important to have dinner with Eric Adams, who just said there, we could handle it. Is that part of him absorbing him? <laughs> the absorption process? <laughs> <laughs> Up next, oh, I dropped a bomb on Justin Ellick, Mr. Cackler, Mr. Uh, what was he doing? Was that a chortle? It was a chortle. And wrong way, Lou Rufino and Sid, who were laughing at the demise of Flacco the other day, laughing. And, oh, boy, they were shocked when I told them who we have gone out to get to make his statue in honor of the fallen Flacco. Talking about this is the Riffin' Reed featuring Curtis Lewa. Now to the Bernard McGurk Studios of 77 WABC and Curtis Lewa. Over the course of human history, there's been Noah's Ark, savior of mankind, St. Francis of Assisi, foregoing his wealth to be savior of all animals, and Curtis Slewa, guardian angel and savior of New York City, protecting both man and beast. The Curtis Lewa Show presents 
Curtis's Ark with Nancy Sliwa. From bipeds to quadrupeds and everything in between. Now, with Nancy Sliwa, here's Curtis Sliwa. That's a show you can hear every Sunday night from 10 to 11. If you can't hear it live, you go to the podcast. It's been on over a year. And Nancy hits all the animal welfare issues, including the loss of Flacco, Eurasian owl the other day, whose Wikipedia now has like 122 pages. It's incredible. People, thousands, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, mourning, sitting, shiver with us, Nancy. But not Sid Rosenberg and his his, uh, his contributors in the morning, Justin Ellick and Wrong Way Lou Rafino. Listen to them cackling and laughing at the demise of Flacco. Enough with the owl. I mean, please, I'm begging you. Joe Flacco the owl or something. Why is this owl so famous? Flacco the owl. Yeah. Remembering Flacco the <laughs> owl. Be in <laughs> life and death. And they're showing pictures of the owl scratching his ass. Talking about the owl. Well, now what? Now what? What, what does the owls do now without Flacco? <laughs> without Flacco. <laughs> what do they do? Where do they go? Do you think we have a geography problem with the buildings of the city and the birds can go up and down? I mean, we're going to talk about that in the next segment. It's just so stupid. Huh. Remembering Flacco the owl. The life and times. Flacco the owl. So if you missed it. Wait a second. So adding it twice, right? Enough of that. And even Sid said this morning that you looked at him like he was dreck the other day in the street. All of them cackling. Meantime, oh boy, they didn't expect this. Nancy and I reached out to the greatest patriot artist and sculptor in our lifetime, Scott Labedo in Staten Island. They were shocked. He does sculptures. He comes from a family where his mother would accept animals that were in harm's way. People would bring them to their door, uh, possums, raccoons, birds that were injured, and she would nurse them back. She was like uh, St. Francis Assisi, but uh, imagine a female version. And he's like that, too, with his girlfriend. They just rescued a cat with only three legs. All of a sudden, they stopped laughing. He's going to do the clay sculpture of Flacco, and then it will uh, be bronzed. And we're going to put it right outside so that every time these jackals and hyenas come in, they're going to see the image of Flacco. That's fantastic. How can people get more information about the animal welfare work that you do with the Guardian Angels, Nancy? Uh, protectouranimals.org. That's one word, protectouranimals.org. And feel free to comment on the the pack of hyenas and jackals. Hyenas. They were laughing. Out of control. Out of a legend. New York City legend now. New York City legend. He he teaches people to dream and and have higher expectations than than what people put on you. Society puts on you. Go further than that, Flacco. Shame on all. Fly high, Flacco. It's a shanda. It's a disgraziata.